one. Hello everyone, I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Amanda Radke, it is Thursday. Are you aware of that? Yes, and I'm back after a little hiatus. I thought you were gone forever. You've been so long. I think my fill-in was awesome, though. Folks didn't listen to Sarah's podcast last week. They need to go back. Sarah Lundgren is awesome. So I tried to get you two to talk because you got a little bit in common. A little bit. But, you know, ranching homeschool moms, they're just busy. So we rarely have time to slow down to chat. You know what you and Sarah have in common the most? What's that? That it is you two on Roll Route that flush out comments from the superintendent of the Wallace County Public School System, Christy Hammer. Did she get some feedback also? Oh, yeah. She got she got a hold of me. Mainly, <laughs> mainly she was getting a hold of me, correcting me. Because for a moment, I had a pause on whether Christy had just become principal or superintendent. And then I knew, but she had to make sure that I knew I knew. She's well, a superintendent. People are always listening, Trent. Mm-hmm. I know. That's good. Hey, you even at myself, the- By the way, I would just like to call you and Andrew out. You called me a rat down a drain pipe this week. Uh, no, we did not. That's an incorrect statement. Okay, clarify where I got it wrong. It was a rat up a drain pipe. Oh. There's a difference between a rat down a drain pipe and a rat up a drain pipe. You were called a rat up a drain pipe. I'm going to take it as a compliment. You should, because that's how it was intended. Oh, okay. <laughs> You've been playing Super Mom at the South Dakota State Fair. Give us a full report. Yeah, we've had a good homeschool week on the go at the South Dakota State Fair. So it's it's a little unique this year. Usually it's a short weekend filled with shows every single day uh, between the open shows to the 4-H FFA. But many people know our open class barn burned down. And so they are in the process of rebuilding. And so they have the open class exhibitors come in early ahead of the fair and show. And so we brought our limousine cattle and exhibited and showed the last couple of days and we're we're back home today before the fair even starts so. <laughs> well that's pretty handy uh, yeah. everything is burning down even the fairgrounds are burning down it could be a conspiracy i don't know but it was it's pretty sad because there's just so much tradition in that barn and there you know my my grandpa arnold wink he started exhibiting his charlotte cattle there 50 plus years ago and Many, many people have marriages have started in that barn and and kids have shown through that ring and family. Oh, tradition. I thought for a moment you said kids were born in that barn. Well, who knows? They might have been made in that barn. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure they were. <laughs> <laughs> but the new barn supposedly will be done next year. So that we are. Uh, Dusty Johnson, our representative, came and gave an update for all of us. It's currently a a pile of rubble, but apparently next year it's going to be standing for the fair. What is the message that, why is Dusty Johnson, your U.S. representative, giving you the message? Are we doing this with a bunch of subsidy money? Actually, it's it's largely privately funded. And frankly, I would I would prefer if the, the government had just footed the bill because this is a, a state 
event, a state program, and uh, you know the politicians come in and, and get all the credit for it. But it's it's the industry, it's the beef industry, it's it's private companies that are donating funds to make it happen. Largely, why would you prefer the tax dollars do this? Because sometimes if it's a public facility, I think that's where tax dollars should be earmarked for roads, facilities, buildings, infrastructure. See, I'm off of anything publicly funded. Well, fair I, enough. I think that a fairground should just be a private entity, period, that you shouldn't have any public funds going into this. Well, I mean, well, I think we don't have any public funds available because we sent them all to the Ukraine. Well, yeah, there's that. Can't even send a jug of water to Mississippi, but we, <laughs> this is not where I thought we'd go this morning. I'm only one coffee in. And okay, here. but I want to know why U.S. Congressman Dusty Johnson is making this presentation to the people of South Dakota. This is not a federal project. I suppose he was the only politician available. I don't know. Who's running the fair? Photo ops. Well, just call your buddy Dusty and you can get the whole the whole update. Dusty Anderson. Yes. Dusty Johnson. Hey, I'm glad clear. you keep up with me this morning. Yeah. Oh, I can keep up with you any day, no matter how far up the drain pipe you go. But I want to clarify which Dusty we're talking about. Yes. And I and I have to be careful because when we talk too severely about your US Congress representative, Dusty Johnson, his aunt tends to call me and scold me. I'd like to meet his aunt sometime. Tell her to come to Mitchell and have a cup of coffee with me. She'll do that. Okay. She's awesome. All right. She lives in Stillwater, you know. Yes. So anyway, that's not really the moral of the story from the fair. We let... <laughs> How'd you get a whole uh, down that? I don't know. <laughs> Trent, it only takes one little fuse and I'm off to the races. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about cute kids showing cows this morning. <laughs> so Scarlet, it was Scarlett had to have that red bow in her hair and bouncing around the ring with the heifer. And any judge is going to be like, oh my goodness, I don't know what that heifer is, but that girl's going to win. Go to first. <laughs> Happens well, all the time. It, yeah, it, the bow does help. So my boys are going to have a rough go because I don't think we're going to go that far. <laughs> so yeah, it was Scarlett's first show. She's been working on a fall heifer. All summer and just loving her to death in the barn. And the whole goal was to get to the fair. Don't get hurt. Don't let the heifer go and just have fun. And it was mission accomplished. But I have to admit, I was a pretty nervous mother. The heifer came into heat, of course, the day before the show. She was a little crabby and ornery. It was early morning that day and it felt like fall. So all the calves were pretty frisky. But she hung on and did good. And she got the... Reserve champion slap. So she was pretty. Oh, nice. Yeah. And did you not also pull down the champion bull honors in the family? We did, but I was showing it. So it's a lot less exciting. (laughs) Way more exciting to watch your kids. (laughs) I can't wait till they all just take over and Tyler and I can just sit in the bleachers and just relax. You, uh, we are finishing up because Landry is most likely tomorrow going to her last ever state fair, Nebraska state fair. She is taking a Hereford steer and I think two pigs. The steer is ready. She's got him dialed in. He's going to do fantastic. 
for some reason, I don't know if it's just the fact that Landry's over pigs or these pigs are a problem, but there's just not a lot of harmony going on right there. So I I assume they're still going to go to the fair, but I'm not pushing it. Whatever she wants to do, she can do. So do you let her name her, her critters? No, never. So the oh. steer doesn't have a name? No, steer. You, does she call it anything? I don't know. I'll have to ask her. Uh, I will. I will back up because okay. I just I told you partially of Fib. She has the three previous years exhibited a Hereford breeding heifer. Each one of those Hereford breeding heifers, which are still here as cows, all have a name. Okay. Lucy, Ezzy, and Della. That's great. Well, Scarlett's heifer's name is Jubilee, and they are very much a good pair, and it's fun to watch. She'll be able to show that heifer next year if she wants to, huh? In theory, unless she's old and crabby by then and ready to just go be a working gal. Unless there's no electricity at state fairgrounds and we can't have shows. Yeah. Yeah, Limousine Junior Nationals are in Rapid City next year, so that's quite the excitement. Well, if that happens, you need to be there and be a big part of that. Apparently. So we're not just going to ease into this showing thing. We're going to dive into the deep end, I guess. I recommend against it, but I think it's too late. That's what I think. We're all out. <laughs> Amanda Rocky, Trent Luce. We'll be back. It's the first day of September. Can you believe that? More after I, this. I cannot. When I have, over the years, shared the information because people want to be critical of nitrates people want to be critical of estrogen i'll tell people that you you're worried about your bacon or your ham because it's cured and it might have nitrates but you flock to eating leafy greens because leafy greens are the highest level of nitrate possible and you know what the first question that person always asked me how they get them in there how they get them in there nathan (laughs) well they're they're cured right they're cured vegetables and vegetables actually cure many diseases so just like your bacon's cured. You know, I wrote a paper called uh, Nitrite, the Cure for Chronic Disease. So just like nitrite, nitrate cure meat and prevent, you know, lipid oxidation and prevent, you know, food spoilage and bacterial infections and or bacterial overgrowth in the food, they do the same thing to us. They cure a lot of things because they improve nitric oxide, they improve oxygenation, they prevent oxidation, inflammation, and immune dysfunction. You want to live a cured life? Take a nitric oxide supplementation every day like I do. No2u.com. It's no2u.com. Put trend as your coupon code and you win big favors because you get free shipping and a 10% discount. Welcome back. We're all route. Trent Lewis alongside Amanda Radke. Mitchell, South Dakota. I had to stay. Hey, I was in Mitchell County yesterday. I know. And this was pretty funny, actually. And I think he's telling me the truth. So every Thursday at 310, I go live on K-Fire in Bismarck with Todd Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And he informed me after Loose Tales aired yesterday from Mitchell County, Iowa, that his family was responsible for the naming of the county. Oh, really? And like his great grandfather, Mitchell, and there's Mitchell, Iowa. I drove right by Mitchell, Iowa. That's pretty crazy. And the significance is, is I'm from Mitchell, South Dakota, if people Correct. don't know. 
putting the tie together. Right. Yeah. Do they have the new corn crop up on the corn palace? Uh, they kind of work on it through the summer so that tourists can see them putting the corn, like the the artistry at work. So it's kind of cool. A bunch of teenage boys. It'd be a fun summer job, I think. How many Maybe ears not. of corn are on there? I don't know. You come over and count them and let us all I'm know. I'm not counting. I don't have that many fingers. Hey, I I should miss I I misspoke earlier because Thorne will listen to this show and he'll be mad at me. And I said, eh, whatever about the bull. But that was his bull, and he is a proud little rancher at six years old. He just couldn't show the bull. Mom, why would you overlook Thorne? I don't know. I don't know how you could. He he does all the clipping. Him and Tyler. He's so he's in the in the shoot working on that front leg already. So. Isn't it interesting because I have found myself in this environment a couple of times. Most recently, well, it'll be this weekend again because I'm going to Maryland for the Maryland State Fair and the Oliver County Fair in North Dakota about like two weeks ago, maybe three. It's so interesting that you and I are diving into these big picture issues and Satan at work through the White House or what the California government is doing now and telling people not to turn your plug, your electric cars in. And when you're at the fair with your kids, it's like, that's the only thing that matters. I mean, it's just so segmented in how we have the ability to get in that environment and completely forget about everything else going on in the world. Or is that just me? No, I totally thought about that when I was listening to you and Andrew on across the pond this morning, I've been in a little bubble and I was like, I didn't even know half this stuff was going on. But I, I've thought a lot about that, uh, of how we we should respond to all the, the evil things that are happening in the world today and the brokenness. And, and part of me just wants to go all in and focusing on these issues and, you know, food security issues and the fact that, um, you know, these policies that these elitists are putting out. You might you might be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Well, it matters to people who are living paycheck to paycheck and the people who are losing their businesses and the people who are now living on the streets because they can't pay their mortgage. And it matters. And so I've thought a lot about what does what does rebellion look like? What does civil Mm -hmm. disobedience look like? Because we always hear about, uh, you know, we need to awake. We need to awaken. We need to wake up. Well, most of us, a lot of us are awake and we're frustrated. We don't like the direction the country is headed. So what do we do? You know, we talk about getting engaged, getting involved, going to school board meetings, city council meetings, county commissioner meetings, talking to your neighbors, volunteering for things. But I think another part of the rebellion that I see that I don't think our elite politicians see coming is that the rebellion looks like the nuclear family saying, you might be going doing things crazy in the rest of the world, but in my household, you're not going to impact what we do and how we do it. And so rebellion to me looks like reading to your kids, teaching them the Bible, going to, to church together, sticking together no matter what, working together. And I wrote about it on my Instagram, kind of wrapping up the state fair. And I think I should read it here if you'll let me. But I said, oh, you know, we... Sure. We don't we don't show cattle for banners and trophies and prestige, although, you know, that stuff is fun. But we show to teach our kids to set a goal, to show up each day, to learn from their mistakes, to grow and get better every day, to have faith and to commit their work to the Lord and to give all the glory to God, to keep trying even when it gets hard, to understand that excuses don't work in the real world. When you have a job to do, you have to show up and put in the time, even if you're tired. 
to buck up when the going gets tough, to be a part of a community with the same values as our own, to celebrate our love of the land and livestock, to do a sport that the whole family can be a part of, to continue to build on a multi-generation business, to learn how to lose graciously and to win with humility, to cheer on others for their success, to continue family traditions and to make memories together and fill those scrapbooks with those Kodak moments. That's awesome. Would you agree? No, 100%. Maybe more. So much more. Yeah. Yeah. So those kids, yeah, I'm proud of them. They worked hard. They got up early Mm -hmm. in the morning. They fed their calves. They washed. They did their homeschool lessons on the show box. You know, it was just a good trip. That uh, that's what's referred to as a mic drop right there. I mean, we're, we have nothing left to say. We're done <laughs> for today. I would just encourage people to focus on those fundamentals. You know, what are your what are your core values and what what do you want most to impart on your kids that they could use now as the world is on fire and imploding and that they can use in 25 years, you know, and anything else is a distraction. And mm-hmm. um you know, part of that is, is maybe we need to step out of the system of what we've always done. You know, we've always enrolled our kids in all these activities and we're running to and fro and we're doing all these things. Well, if we slow down enough to say, that's taking me away from my goal of teaching my kids what a, the power of the nuclear family. And when the nuclear family is strong, then that nuclear family can go to board meetings together. They can volunteer together. They can serve in their church together. And it's not we're all we're all spread out because he's in this activity and she's got this commitment and we're just running ourselves ragged. So we don't have time to focus on those those core principles that we need to turn this country around. It's easy to sit here and say, and then every day a new opportunity comes in front of those kids. The kids want to take part in it and you don't want to hold them back. So you can talk about fundamentally slowing down and and enjoying fewer things more. As a person who's been there and done that, I'm telling you, it's not as easy to follow through as it is to say. Yes, I know. The saying no to things is really hard. As an example, um, Mm -hmm. my boys really want to do wrestling. Wrestling starts in kindergarten. Tyler was a huge wrestler, and I'm really struggling with it because it's practice every night already when they're young. It's Saturday, Sunday tournaments. And I think, well, they could learn a lot of great things from wrestling, but what will we also lose when they're wrestling? We'll lose family supper time. We'll lose Sundays together as a family because they're at a tournament, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for families to weigh the pros and cons of things. And I don't know, I guess I'm kind of to the point where I'm, I really just feel strongly. I need to go counter to the culture and the culture is to have your kids in a million things And I just want to pick a few little things and things that we could do together. I was never a wrestler. I know a lot of people who are wrestlers. Tyler was a wrestler. You got a battle on your hand. You're going to have to wrestle pretty big to get this one. I I know. And, you know, I've gone to some wrestling meets. And it's like, if you talk about, you know, wanting to raise, like, alpha males and, like, strong sons. Right. It's like. It's a gym full of alpha males and it's it there is lessons to be learned. But I also think that they can learn it welding on a tractor at or you know, a piece of equipment at home or calving out cows or, you know, doing things that we do anyway in our business. 
it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a balance. But I, I feel like the power of no is going to be very important raising these kids. I was a bit chuckling at your alpha male in the wrestling world because she has graduated, but there was a girl at Loop City that none of the boys would wrestle. <laughs> That's a whole conversation in itself. They didn't want to get beat by the girl. I personally don't understand why we have girl wrestling, but it's now a Nebraska sanctioned sport. Yeah, now they have girls wrestling girls, which I right. cool yeah. with. But Tyler, he I'm not cool with that. Why why do we have girl wrestling? I mean, at least it's it's separate. I think there's a, a huge issue with girls wrestling boys. Um, there is. Just because if you're if you're raising your sons right, you've taught them don't beat up on girls, you right. know. And you're gonna that. body slam some girl? No. But then there's also that, like, what does it do to your son's psyche if he loses to a girl? Like, it's, it's just a big not a deal. It's just not a It's just not good. It, but it matches the female empowerment movement. But what does it do to the boys? We're all out. We're always putting the boys in the back of the room. We'll be back with more Amanda Radke. Now we're on to something. After this. Now, let's talk about beef for a moment. The Certified Piedmontese Opportunity is present for everyone in the cattle business. You breed your cows to the Piedmontese sires from Lone Creek. I just want to point it out that you can do that via natural service or artificial insemination. Whatever your flavor and what works best for you. And then you sell the calves back to Lone Creek. It's that simple. It works tremendously well. It's worked well for us for four years. We're now doing some embryo work to raise some of the sires because I just like the purebred side, but that's not what you do. You take these bulls that are being raised by Lone Creek, breed your cows, sell the calves back at six weeks after weaning, uh, 600 pounds, whatever the market is, which has got some strength in it now, plus $180 per head. Details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back. All route, Trent Lewis alongside Amanda Ratke from Mitchell, South Dakota. I just got to tell you about I'm Landry, our youngest. She's 17. She's a senior high school. She's amazing. Just an amazing kid. Not because she's my kid. She's an amazing kid. But you want to talk about being an overachiever. So her score through high school is 99.59. She's only missed a half a point in one class. Wow. Okay. So she's going to be valedictorian. She's over four, uh, ACT at 34. Um, she's the president of her class for the fourth consecutive year. I said, Landry, you're a tyrant. Well, first of all, Dad, you're saying it wrong. <laughs> 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 and secondly, they voted me in. I said, did you use machines? No, we counted them by hand. So she's the president of class. She's president of the FFA. This week, next week, they're starting drama practice. So Loop City, our high school, has a very competitive one-act play team in Heritage. We were four consecutive years. Lindsay's four years in high school. We were runner-up at state competition four years in a row. So they start that in the mornings. They're doing volleyball practice after school. She's walking her steer and wants smaller pigs after school. I mean, this is every day for this kid. Oh, and she's doing things, raising money and establishing a plan as a senior, as a, the president of her senior class that they've never done before. I mean, she just continues to achieve and over excel. And I, I'm bragging on her, but I know that she's representative of a lot of kids that are out there. But 
That's a lot for a high school kid to be doing. It is. I mean, she's a rock star. Not to mention that every spare minute she has, she sends a video on another email to a college softball coach trying to find the exact right college to go play softball. And and then, oh, Dad, could you catch me? I want to throw a little bit. I mean, how do you throttle that? You can't throttle that. But yet she's overworked. And you forgot to mention she's like memorized the whole Bible and is a very, very strong Christian girl. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Reads the Bible every morning, every night, no matter what. And can every day can walk through and names the books of the Bible every day. Well, I hope whoever she marries is 10 times more doing even more than that right now. Seriously? Where's that dude at? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Good luck to him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which ultimately, you know, I had a college coach that told me this because she's looking for the right school to play softball. This girl can go academically anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere she wants to go, she can go. She's decided that she can get education and she wants to study psychology at this moment. She's decided that softball is her most important thing. And if, that school doesn't have the right psychology department after softball. She can go get that. And she's, she's got one that she wants to go to. I'll leave that suspect until later, but she continues to look for the right one. And this coach told me, he said, Trent, you need to find the right school. And the reason you need to find the right school is that for the most part, you're finding your son-in-law and you want to narrow the field because this guy has three daughters as well. And he said, mine all did well, but they find them at college. I never thought about that. Yeah, well, that's heavy. (laughs) Don't mess it up. Christmas could get weird otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true story. Well, I mean, I have one married. One of three is married. And where did she find Andrew, my son-in-law? Texas A&M University. Yep. Tyler and I met at South Dakota State University. Meets judging. It's my he favorite. It, no. He, he was wrestled you away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we fell in love while grinding hamburger. It's some serious romantic stuff but it's funny because Dwayne I've told this story before but Dwayne Wolf the professor uh and the Meech coach on the first day of class said well look around you might be sitting next to your future spouse we have a lot of marriages out of this team (laughs) I looked around and I saw the crop and I was like nah probably not So Tyler and I were friends first and enjoyed traveling the country and apparently packing plants are just the right setting for <laughs> dating. I don't know. Apparently. Uh, yeah, I don't think so looking back, but it's it was an education going to all those packing plants across the country and getting a husband out of the deal too. But yes, where they go to college and the statistically, actually, I don't have the exact numbers, but they say that largely when kids walk away from their faith, it's in their freshman year of college. And so the culture of college is just Mm -hmm. rapidly changing. Um, And 
you know, you can really, parents can do all the hard work. And in that first year or two, it, it can just go completely otherwise because it's become a, a culture of, of drinking and, and, and well, let's just say like sexual encounters that don't mean anything. And now college debts are being paid off by the government. So why even apply yourself and try if it's just going to be free anyway, just rack up that student loan debt have a good time and party and then place the burden of that debt on some hardworking guy that bought a business at 18 and, and invested in, in his future that way. Um, but that's probably not the soapbox you intended to go down talking, bragging uh, on your daughter. There, there is no soapbox that I'm afraid of going down. I did. You did make me think about one thing though. Uh, when I was talking about Landry said she's going to go play softball. It, if it's not a Christian college, she's not going. She narrowed the field down to Christian colleges. Well, that'll help. You know. Yeah, yeah. except most of them are Catholic colleges, and then you got to deal with that. I mean, a nice Catholic boy would be just fine. <laughs> I converted mine to Catholicism. You know. We, we are not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're not going down that drain pipe. That's fine. Well, let's talk about student loan debt. You know, everyone's all worked up about that saying, oh, Christians should love that this debt is being paid off. You know, it goes with the Bible referencing Jesus Christ paying the ultimate debt for Mm -hmm. our sins and allowing us to reconvene one day in heaven with God. (laughs) But this is an entirely different beast altogether. And what frustrates me the most is what a slap in the face it is. And I had this conversation yesterday at the state fair with a guy. So what a slap in the face it is for those poor families that couldn't afford to send their kids to college. And those kids signed up for the military to serve because they could get their college paid for, which they deserve. They absolutely deserve it. If you are serving our country, you should get to go to school. If that is an incentive to get you enrolled, please, yes, let's help our military. But then to go to say, hey, if you took a gender studies uh, class and you and, and degree and you racked up $200,000 in debt and now you can't get a job, well, we'll pay off your school loans. Like what a slap in the face, and especially at a time when we can't recruit new, new people to the military. Um, but yeah, the gentleman I talked to he said, yeah, I had three brothers that signed up for the military just so they could get a college degree. And now look what this country is. It's just a slap in the face to mankind, period. Um, I mean, you take Libby, for example, she went to Texas A&M. I think the out-of-state tuition right off the bat was like $54,000 at Texas A&M. Who can afford that? Wow. You know what Libby did? She graduated in three and a half years and owed not one dime. She found a scholarship for every single dollar it took to go to Texas A&M. Now, there's a little caveat that if you get an a, a tuition, excuse me, a scholarship from the state of Texas and you have the scholastic academic performance that works, you get your out-of-state tuition waived. So she right away went to like 26000 half of that. Okay. And then put together scholarships. Plus there was a $5,000 Texas a But the moral of the story is she filled out a scholarship for everything from a hundred to a thousand to ten thousand dollars. She did the work to get it done. What does it say to her and every other student like her that found a way to? That's a life lesson in itself. 
taking the bull by your horn by the horns and doing it yourself instead of expecting Uncle Sam or somebody else to take care or mom and dad. You know what the peak irony is? I graduated in three years and one of my college buddies told me, well, graduating in three years is like leaving the party at nine o'clock. And I said, well, tuition was 12000 a year at that time. I said, well, this party isn't worth another $12,000. I'm going home to the farm. Uh, fast forward to today, that same kid is, or kid, now 34-year-old man, is celebrating that debt forgiveness and that $10,000 check he's going to get. Yeah. You know, actually, on the other side of this equation, I've been a part of a couple groups where we give away scholarships. Yeah. It is mind-boggling to me the lack of kids who who fill out and show up to do an interview to receive a scholarship. In fact, I, I can't name names, but I know kids who have said, oh, I'm not going to fill out scholarship. Mom and dad will pay for it. That's a problem. That's yeah. horrible parenting. Some of the laziest kids I met at college were ones that their parents, they knew their parents were paying for their college right up, up front. So they, they just didn't care. Whereas I knew every penny was coming out of my pocket and I was going right. to pay for it. It mattered and I wasn't going to screw it up. Well, it comes back to parenting period and we just, you and I off air had this conversation this week. You should teach parenting classes. Have you thought about doing that? I'm, I mean, I know because I'm at the beginning stage. So who knows? These kids might not turn out. I don't want to give anybody <laughs> advice. It's still an experiment. Anybody who is showing a heifer at the same time as they're taking homeschooling classes they're going to turn out just fine. When There's you're doing homeschooling on the show box at the state fair, they're going to turn out just fine. Trust me. They weren't too happy about the spelling worksheets I made them do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll be back for the last segment. Roll route. Amanda Rack, you can't lose more after this. Amanda's promoting, and I am as well, the... Red Shirt Friday aspect at the South Dakota State Fair tomorrow. At 1.45, there will be people gathering, all wearing red shirts, taking a picture, making sure that those veterans who have risked their life to protect our freedom forever are, are appreciated and honored. In the same respect, the Wall of Honor does that as well, thewallofhonor.org is a place you can go to see those individuals, certain well, only those individuals that have been nominated, and you at thewallofhonor.org can also nominate your loved one. But mostly, we just want to make sure that people appreciate the endeavors, appreciate the sacrifice, appreciate the commitment to country and the oath to the Constitution. So I say whatever your opportunity to say thank you and give honor, that's what you should do. Go to the State Fair tomorrow if you're in Huron, South Dakota. Or go to thewallofhonor.org. Welcome back, everyone. Trent Luce alongside Amanda Radke, the last segment of Roll Route. The last segment of Roll Route on this day, on the first day of September 2022, Amanda Radke. We have a guest 
You, you found a guest during the break. Nice Things job. Rapidly and wildly on roll route. And you know, it's <laughs> this guest is perfect because we were just talking about in the earlier segment about, um, you know, public or about being civic minded, working together as a family and trying to fight for a better future of this country. And this guest that you brought on is, is walking the walk and doing the work exactly. Ooh. One thing is for sure, Jessica Poloma joining us now. State lead for South Dakota canvassing effort is a fighter. Welcome back, Jessica. How have you been? You've been busy, apparently. We've been really busy, yes. Um, lots going on, never a dull moment, um, which is a good thing because I feel like we're gaining momentum here with um, public awareness. And it's been really great the last couple of weeks to see the citizens of South Dakota getting involved themselves where they live, which is, I think, what we talked about before. And it's been really encouraging. So I I feel a division occurring, and I want to use this to set up why you have joined us and why you are doing this fight. And that division is there seems to be a segment of people that are saying, okay, so maybe there were some problems in past elections, but we just need to move on. Quite frankly, if we don't fix some of the problems that we have had, and most importantly, to give the voters the assurance that their vote matters, the representative republic ceased to exist as we know it. So you came onto the scene and you said, hey, wait a minute, there are some problems, even in South Dakota, because everybody wants to talk about Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona. Every state has had some problems. What brought you to this point to begin with? Well, it's been a year-long journey, and so um, we just our group got together about a year ago, and we started off just to see what we could see in South Dakota. I mean, we're not trying to overturn the 2020 election. We're not arguing about those things. We just wanted to investigate what's going on in South Dakota. And so a year later, um, you know, we're probably worse than some of the blue states in the country, which was shocking to us. And... Um, we found all the things we need to work on, and um, now where we're at is fighting for transparency in our elections. And what we realized is that South Dakota elections are completely controlled by a third-party vendor, and um, it's not transparent at all. No, no. In fact, if you go asking for data to verify what actually took place, it's mind-boggling how they just say no i thought we lived in a transparency society transparent society right so we started sending out foia letters uh, freedom of information act letters to the counties in south dakota and at first it was very apparent that the auditors and the secretary of state's office had no idea what we were asking for so um anyway they they asked the vendor the sns Mm-hmm. out of Omaha, election systems and software, um, the answers for those questions. And, of course, they send back state statute to deny us our requests. Some of it doesn't even apply. Um, and so that's been really frustrating. But now we FOIA'd every county in the state, and these um, state's attorneys started sending back denial letters, and they were virtually a form letter, identical every county across the state. So there is a coordinated effort to deny our requests for the state bar association had a, had their 
continuing education meeting in Pierre the Tuesday before the state convention. And their topic was election law update, which no lawyers in the state deal with election law. So the lawyers that I know are like, oh, that's kind of strange. Um, and then the state's attorneys come back with all of these identical form letters uh, denying our request. So it's interesting. Um, and then, you know, it's been a long road, but we did file a lawsuit um, against these three counties, Minnehaha, Pennington, and Lincoln that we started with. And um, the, the counties retained legal counsel. And it is the president of the State Bar Association representing them against the citizens with their own taxpayer money. Wow. So, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. My blood is just boiling because, you know, in South Dakota, we tout freedom. And I always say, you know, just because we're a conservative state, it doesn't mean corruption can't breed here. And mm-hmm. uh, I think in order to be free, we need transparency. And that that is what you're working towards, I'm assuming, right? Like, are we are we on our yeah. way to have some things becoming more transparent? Well, that's that's what we're saying is that this is public record. And if we can't have it, there's a problem. And it, all it is is the audit trail for our election data. So, um, you know, we are one of four states in the entire country that doesn't have any kind of a post-election audit. So we take our ballots, we throw them in the machine, it does its thing, and everything's great. And nobody ever verifies that what went into that machine by a hand count matches the machine tally. So one um, of four states. One of four states, because the EAC, the Election Assistant Commission, says if you are using electronic tabulating machines, they do not recommend using them without a post-election audit. Yet somehow it's fine in South Dakota. Um, And then we can't get the paper trail because they won't give it to us and they say it's proprietary information owned by ES&S. Well, we the taxpayers, you know, are supposed to be supervising and running our elections. They're supposed to be by the people. And we pay the auditor, we paid for the machines, and we paid for that data, and we own it, and they won't give it to us. So we have the same exact scenario unfolding in Nebraska. And mm-hmm. we, for the record, use the ES&S machines as well. But the, the mere fact that you can't get this data is unbelievable. My question is, and, and you're beginning to get the information to the forefront, what do we do? Just get loud, go to our our courthouse and demand data. Or what do you suggest we do going forward? Well, we've you know we've done all the research, we've researched the laws, we we think we you know are certain that we have the right to this information, and so we had to sue for it in South Dakota. We had to sue to get our election data. Um, however, we the South Dakota Canvassing Group reached out to the Freedom Caucus. And explained to them what was going on. And when they heard uh, what was happening, they were very concerned because they also believe in transparency in government and that the elections should be supervised by, you know, are run by the people. Um, so we have the right to oversee our elections. And they, in turn, wrote a letter to the governor and the attorney general asking them to direct the county auditors to save the 2020 election data because of ongoing investigations and unresolved disputes over public information. Um, and then the governor replied, you know, basically it was a nice letter, but it didn't say, didn't address anything in the letter other than that the 
you know, election officials would do well to run transparent elections. So she did put that in there. Um, so the county auditors led by Sherry Lund and Jason Gant, who is a former secretary of state, um, invited the legislators that signed this letter, which was 24 legislators signed this letter to the governor and invited them to a closed door session in, you know, the corner of the state in Canton on September 8th and the, uh, to address the disinformation that they've been fed and the county or the, sorry, the freedom caucus then in turn said, no, if you guys want to have a meeting, we're doing it before the records destruction deadline of September three in the people's house open to the public. So the citizens that are asking for this information can hear what you're saying. So that's going to be uh, Friday, one o'clock in pier room four fourteen. It's open to the public and we want everyone to be there. To be clear, Friday, September two, one o'clock. One, it may not be tomorrow, depending on when you're hearing this. So yes, Friday, September Sorry. two, one to four, four fifteen at the state capitol in Pierre, South Dakota. It's at starts at one o'clock. I have no idea when it's going to be over, but it's in room four fourteen. Oh, I heard four. I wondered why we would stop a meeting at four fourteen. Yeah, that's very it's, specific. It's room four fourteen. <laughs> that's a room number. Yeah. <laughs> So again, could well, be over we have, at one fourteen. <laughs> we have two calls to action. If you happen to be in Huron, South Dakota, at the South Dakota State Fair on Friday, head to the Northwestern Energy Freedom Stage at one forty-five p.m. Wear a red shirt to take a picture. These pictures will be sent as thank yous to the veterans who are serving our country overseas. But if you happen to be in Pierre, Man Trent, uh, this is important stuff. For room four fourteen. 1 p.m. in the People's House, also wear red to remember everyone deployed and to alert the folks at this meeting that the citizens of South Dakota are putting them on notice and we want transparency today. Don't you have t-shirts too, Jessica? Yes, so there are 40 South Dakota canvassing t-shirts out there. So we did our first order. If you have one or if you can show up and want one, you can borrow somebody else's. Um, so we want everybody in a Red Liberty T-shirt or a South Dakota canvassing T-shirt. So what are you suggesting, particularly for Friday, September 2nd, the people that can't make it to Pier, how can they stay in tune with what's going on? Um, at, they will probably this... have to get an update afterwards. I don't know that it's going to be live streamed unless we can ask for that. And we would put that out on social media or our, the front page of our website, sdcanvassing.com, to mm-hmm. let you know. Um, but otherwise there is a link available. People that know me can send me your email and, but it'd have to be this morning before like 10 o'clock. So yeah. if okay. somebody's hearing this after the fact, we won't be able to make it. Once again, sdcanvassing.com. Tons of information. We updated it. There's tons of videos, articles, calls to action, um, information about ESNS and CBRs. So everything you need is on our website. It's all up to you. The information is presented. We've gotten to this point because we as citizens have been too complacent. Amanda Radke stated it perfectly. It is our duty as a citizen to make sure that all of these elections are free and fair. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. For Jessica Poloma, Amanda Radke, I'm Trent Luce. All three of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route. 
a week away now. Don't forget the Cowgirls for a Cure. It's a barrel racing that takes place at Beard Arena, Minokin, North Dakota. Now you could say, I'm not going to participate in barrel racing, Trent, but you could go attend. You could go make a contribution. It's all about cowgirls kicking cancer's butt. That's the moral of the story. Get full details about everything that's happening at Beard Arena. Go to goldbuckletack.net. If you don't find that, just get a hold of me. And uh, this weekend, I will be broadcasting tomorrow from the Maryland State Fair. I get the opportunity to judge the livestock, and really, I'm working with the kids. That's what I'm doing this weekend on Labor Day weekend. I hope that you are celebrating Labor Day by laboring and sweating in some way, shape, or form. And uh, most importantly, make your way to Pier or Huron, South Dakota. It's all South Dakota Day tomorrow.